Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 13 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. So today I'm going to approach a very common question that I receive, uh, mostly inspired by the fact that I was brewing this cup of winer this morning, currently a fully washed Burundi, very pleased with it, admiring my coffee setup. Uh, I've spent the past few years slowly investing into new equipment or upgrading certain aspects of my home coffee brewing setup. I've now got this cool little home bar thing that I put all my coffee brewing stuff on. And I'm looking at this going, thinking how far I've come from my lowly Mr. Coffee Maker that I just put whatever ground coffee I had before I knew what anything was and found this whole exciting world of specialty coffee. And... People will come to me and say, Rob, you don't seem to have a life outside of coffee. So what would you suggest we buy for our home brewing experience? And I say, that's extremely hurtful, but true. Let me tell you. And that inspired today's episode. So today's episode is going to be all about what to do to upgrade your home brewing experience. And I'm going to list first equipment in order of importance that what you should buy first, uh, some recommendations on what types you should buy, why it's more important to buy them in this order than any other order. And then after that, just some pretty quick tips and tricks to uh, upgrade your experience because sometimes people will invest all the money in the world into all the equipment and everything that looks really cool and super Instagrammable and then they make the coffee and it's still just not quite there and they don't know why and I was there for a long time and I'm finally at the point honestly within the last six months that I'm at the point now with my home brewing setup and uh, strategy and skillers that. I actually prefer making coffee at home to most cafe experiences because I've put a lot of time and effort into improving the quality of my home brewing experience. So I'm not sure how long this episode will last because it's a pretty quick and simple concept, but it is something that uh, I get a lot. And I wanted to have an episode that if somebody wanted to just go down the entire line of what should I do to be a fully certified homebrew coffee nerd, to be able to brew amazing coffee at home that you're super happy with, uh, that's why I'm doing this. So to take no more time stalling with this sentence, I will continue on. So the first thing that you should invest into in your home brewing setup is a good grinder. A lot of people think the first thing you should buy is, oh, I need to go out and get like a really cool, fancy coffee maker or something like really cool looking or like something from something Italian for some reason. Italian, uh, I got to get like an Italian coffee maker or espresso machine. I got to go out and get an espresso machine because that's super cool and that's what they have in the cafes. And if I have an espresso machine at home that's fancy with the the thing that comes out, the part of it, it'd be cool. And uh, it's just, that can't be the first thing you buy. Because there's too many steps ahead of that that would make it that if you got that, it wouldn't even be that great. So the first thing you need to invest to in a, is a grinder. Most people who are grinding coffee at home have just what is called a blade grinder. You're probably familiar with it. It's kind of shaped just like a little cylinder. The top, the top comes off and it's got this blade with two blades sticking up that just 
I call it a whirly bird grinder because the thing just whirls around in a circle. Now, obviously, these are really inexpensive. You can go out and find one for 10 bucks today. But the reason these grinders are not good is because as that blade goes around in a fast circle, there is no control as to how fine or coarse the coffee is being ground. Now, I know you can press down on the thing, and if you do it for a few seconds, you've got quote-unquote coarsely ground coffee, and if you go longer, it gets finer, but even when you control it in that way, when you have that quote-unquote coarse grind, there's still going to be so much inconsistency that you're going to have some really big chunks of coffee. You're going to have some really, really fine like dust-like particles just because this blade of... And it's just randomly chopping beans. The reason this is the most important thing to upgrade from is extraction of the coffee. So when you expose coffee grounds to water, extraction of the compounds of the coffee is what is creating your ultimate cup of coffee. A cup of coffee is 98% water, but it's this 2% that is that creates what coffee is versus just a cup of water. When you have really coarsely ground coffee, extraction is slower. When you have very, very fine coffee, extraction is faster or higher. And so this is why something like an espresso is a very, very fine grind because it's applied to a lot of pressure and you get a very high amount of extraction. When it's coarser, something like a French press, which happens over the course of like five to eight minutes, the extraction needs to be slower or like even cold brew. Uh, is an extremely coarse grind because you're letting it soak for over 24 hours. Now, the reason you need a better grinder than that Whirlybird grinder is because if you have both coarse and super fine grinds in any brewing method, your number one problem is going to be consistency. Because even if you use that blade grinder and make a great cup of coffee, it probably won't be the same the next time. And the reason for that is, is the coarser grinds tend to, uh, especially in like pour over, uh, bring out more of the acidity. But it can create sourness because not enough extraction is happening. If you have really fine grinds, it can create bitterness or dryness or unpleasant flavors on that side. So if you're using that random grinder and you're doing it so it's just randomly going around cutting up beans and you have coarse grinds and super fine grinds, you're going to get a cup, even if it's not super prominent, it's going to have some some sour flavors, it's going to have some, some bitter flavors, and it's not going to be consistent. So even if one of those times it randomly happens to chop it up to a desirable level to be, be able to create a great cup of coffee, it probably won't happen again because it's just there's too many variables about the randomness of cutting it in that way. So that's why a grinder is the first thing. Because if you were to go out and get an espresso machine and you only had one of those blade grinders, it wouldn't work because the, the grind would be too inconsistent and the shot timing, the amount that would be filtered through, it would just be too inconsistent and it would be really, really frustrating to try to dial in a shot. For pour over, you can't even do pour over with one of those uh, with one of those blade grinders because the, the super, super fine uh, coffee grounds that come out, the water literally will not even pour through it. You'll be doing a pour over with one of those grinders and you'll notice that the water just sits on top of this thick, thick bed of mud. 
And the reason that is is because it's the super fine grinds. So if you have one of those grinders and you were to go out and buy all this fancy pour-over equipment, you have the best kettle and a, and a V60 pour-over and you got all the filters and everything ready to go and all of a sudden you're like, this sucks, I hate pour-over. It's, it's because the grinder situation is wrong. So what you want to look for in a good grinder are burr grinder, uh, burr blades, and that is spelled B-U-R-R. So you're looking for a flat burr grinder. I personally prefer stainless steel. There are also ceramic burrs out there, and there's some debate as to the pros and cons of each. I personally prefer a stainless steel burr grinder. My very bias towards Baratza uh, for the home grinding side. That's spelled B-A-R-A-T-Z-A. They have an introductory model, the Encore, the Baratza Encore. It's a flat burr grinder. It is absolutely fantastic for almost all brewing methods. It's very okay for like the espresso side when you get on the really, really fine grinds. It, it, it gets a, a little squirrely. They have higher models. I have a Virtuoso that's been working really well for espresso. It's a little bit more expensive, but Introductory model of the Brazza Encore is $140. I think the last time I checked, that's what they're charging for it. And it is expensive to do. But the way I justify it is that, hey, if I can get my home coffee brewing to the level that I prefer over a cafe and these cups of coffee that I'm going to cafes and I'm drinking are going to be anywhere from like 4 to $6 on an average cup for the quality that I'm looking for, if I can do that at home and get a $15 and $20 bag of coffee, I'm going to save myself a lot of money over time. And so $140 is going to get you the Bratza Encore, and that's just a great, great introductory home grinder. But any grinder you're looking for, you're looking for a flat burr grinder. And the reason that's important is because instead of a blade going around and randomly chopping up coffee, these two burrs... They sit on top of each other, and when you adjust the size of it, it adjusts the distance that the burrs are away from each other. So as the beans get fed into these burrs, they're going in opposite directions, and so you get a really consistent grind because the coffee can only get through the burrs at the distance they are from each other. And this is important because you can manipulate the coffee size for the, the type of brewing you're doing, and it also allows you to experiment in a consistent way to be able to learn about uh, the correlation be between grind size and the different flavor aspects of coffee you're looking for. So far and away, the first investment you should make into a home brewing setup is the grinder. Because even if you're rocking like a Mr. Coffee or just your standard coffee maker, that's going to improve the experience because as the water gets poured over it inside the coffee maker, it's going to just be more consistent and you can adjust grind size and it's far and away. Number one thing you should do is grinder. Then after that, it becomes like less like concrete in my mind as to it, this has to be the next purchase. But I think the next direction to go after the grinder is your brewing mechanism. Now, this is kind of the decision for how hard in the paint do you want to go with your full setup. Uh, for someone that's like, I just want a good cup of coffee at home. Uh, I want it to be consistent. And I don't want to spend a lot, but I do want a great cup at home. I That's where my mind automatically goes to French press. You can find a great French press for $20, a one liter French press. You'll be able to brew like three big cups of coffee at a time. Uh, one liter French press. The reason I suggest that, if you're not looking to like invest few a couple two to three hundred dollars more into your home brewing setup, I recommend that one because 
you don't really need a really fancy kettle. You don't really need any additional equipment. All you need is that French press. So you can invest $20 into that. You can heat up water however you heat up water and simply pour it into the French press as you're brewing. And so I recommend that for anyone that's just like, you know, I just want to be able to brew a great cup of, cup of coffee at home on the weekends or just be able to do it on a special occasion or just want to upgrade, but I, I'm not looking to spend a ton of money. French press would definitely be the brewer that I would recommend next. Then you have the people that are like, I love my automatic coffee maker. Doesn't make a good cup of coffee, but the convenience is just too easy to not to to want to change or do French press or pour over. This is where it gets a little pricey, but they have amazing automatic coffee makers out there. So I'm going to just do it right now as I'm sitting here and Google SCA approved coffee maker. And what that is, the Specialty Coffee Association. I have a whole episode on brewing methods. Uh, so if you want to go really deep into all the different brewing methods and what to try, hop back to that episode. But I'm just going to go very, very briefly into this one. And so if I Google SCA Certified Home Brewers, uh, the Specialty Coffee Association has a page of all their certified home brewers and their methodology. And so they just list them out right here. And so I actually, I have the, the Breville Brazen Plus. Let's see if I click on that. It retails for, yeah, apparently they're going to make it hard to find the price. That one uh, retails for about $400. So you can see over the years what I've done to invest into my system because I just wanted all the best equipment to be able to not only brew great coffee, but also learn more during the process. But they, that's one of the more expensive options. Um, there's a full list of these certified coffee makers. Cuisinart actually just started making the list. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe those are a bit more affordable. Let's, yeah, it's like $179. So if you're looking, you love the convenience of an automatic coffee maker, uh, you still want a great cup of coffee at home, but you don't want to do French press, you don't want to do all that jazz, you don't want to go that deep, the kettle and taking the time to do that, just Google SCA approved coffee maker. And then the last one, highly recommend, it's like the most popular within specialty coffee for sure, is the pour over method. The upside to this is they're inexpensive the actual pour over mechanism i recommend hario or kalita so hario h-a-r-i-o and then the letter v and then the number 60 hario v60 it is one of the most popular pour over brewers and it, you can find them for like ten dollars for like a plastic one or you can get like a nice ceramic one for like 20 you could get like a super cool copper one for like 50 but it, it's it's inexpensive and then you just need to get the filters for it now the uh the expensive part of this is the kettle uh because you do need a gooseneck variable temperature kettle and the reason i'm very specific to that is there are a lot of kettles that just heat the water to boiling and then there's no there's no controller after that you don't want to brew coffee at boiling temperatures because you risk over extraction, which can create bitter, unpleasant compounds. The temperature range that I've found to be most effective is anywhere from like 195 to 210, with usually 205 being the sweet spot for most coffees. 
And the reason you want a variable temperature kettle is you can make sure that this electric kettle is only heating to the temperature you want, but then it also allows you to mess around with the temperature of the water to be able to experiment. Higher temperature, more extraction, lower temperature, slower extraction, manipulating those different aspects of temperature to be able to find different flavors. And you pretty much have to have one of these to do an effective cup of, to make an, a, a cup of effective pour over coffee. And so while the actual V60 or the Kalita Wave, spelled K-A-L-I-T-A, two really popular uh, pour over methods, while the actual brewer is not expensive, the kettle to do it well can get pricey. Now there are some $40, $40-$50 variable temperature kettles that are pretty good. Bonavita makes a, a very reasonably priced variable temperature kettle. I personally have uh, the Fellow Stag. What do they call that? Stag is S-T-A-G-G. Fellow is just exactly like it sounds. And it is a bit more on the pricey side. But the thing I really like about it, it, it has temperature control down to the degree. So I can, I can have it be any temperature I want. And then it also has the ability to be able to hold the temperature, which is another important factor that I don't have to be by the kettle to right when it hits the temperature that I brew. Uh, but... That's, in my opinion, probably the best electric kettle that's out there is the Fellow Stag EKG. Uh, it's, you can hold the temperature for up to an hour. You can manipulate it down to the degree. And there's even, it's got Bluetooth capabilities, which I never use, but it's kind of baller that a kettle has Bluetooth capabilities. Which, can we all just agree that Bluetooth and Wi Fi are magic? Like, I, I've done research into how they work, and it's just, it's magic. And anyone who doesn't think so and thinks, no, there's a scientific explanation. Okay, the scientific explanation is magic. And so that we're already talking about the next important thing to buy is a water kettle. So even if you're not doing... Uh, so if you're strictly 100%, I am an automatic coffee maker person. Uh, like I said, I recommend SEA approved brewers. But if you're 100% a coffee maker person, it's the only way I make coffee. It's the only way I want to make coffee you don't need a kettle. So that's the upside of getting one of those automatic coffee makers is you don't need a kettle because you don't need to heat water because those automatic coffee brewers will heat the water on its own. But if you're doing any sort of manual brewing method, and when I say manual, I just mean you're doing it yourself. So the, the French press, the V60, if you're doing an aero press, anything where you're pouring the water, the water kettle is the most next important uh, uh, step. And I've already pretty much covered what I need to say about that is you're looking for a variable temperature water kettle and keys to look for when you're looking at that is if it's variable temperature how variable is it is it do they give you three temperature options do they you know 210 205 and 200 do they get is it like the ekg stag from fellow where you can manipulate it down to the degree and then also considering can it hold the temperature this is not extremely important because usually if you're heating water you're probably right by it anyway uh, but if you are really wanting something that's super convenient and consistent, making sure that it has the ability to be able to hold the temperature. So once it heats it up, that it holds it at that temperature, uh, not that it heats it there and then turns off. Uh, then that will usually be a little bit more of an expensive feature uh, with that. So water kettle, that'll be your next one. And so, so far, if you are following along here, 
you've upgraded your grinder to a stainless steel burr grinder, you have a, uh, a great brewer, whether it's a manual brewer like a French press or a, v- a V60 pour-over, Kalita pour-over, or an automatic brewer like the... Uh, the Cuisinart 8-cup brewer or the high end of the uh, the Baymore automatic brewers. Uh, and then after at this point, if you have these three components, the grinder, the brewer, and the water kettle, you're pretty well set up. You're, uh, you're going to be making great coffee with these components. Uh, the last thing I'll even throw in on the equipment side is because it gets brought up all the time and it's growing in popularity. And I, I sometimes I'm surprised by how many people have this is a home espresso machine. It is far and away the most cost prohibitive thing to be able to do at home uh, because an effective espresso machine, it, they get pretty pricey. I personally have uh, Breville makes some great uh, intro home espresso machines. Uh, I got mine refurbished. So that's a great thing to look for on Amazon is refurbished home espresso machines i think i got mine for like 400 but the the breville pre uh the breville infuser i got it for like 400 but i mean full retail they're you're looking at like five six hundred dollars and the infuser is kind of like the lower end of the home model but the thing i like about it is it pulls a pretty dang effective shot of espresso it's easy to program so i can manipulate the different variables to be able to experiment around with flavors that in con- in combination with my barazza virtuoso grinder i can it has a consistent enough fine grind setting that i can uh play around with that uh, and then the steam wand is like it's okay uh, so if you're if you're getting an espresso machine to do exclusively like lattes or cappuccino, it'll do uh, an adequate job at steaming milk properly. It takes a long time. The wand's not very powerful, which I wouldn't expect uh, uh, something like an intro model to have an incredible steam wand. Uh, but if that's what you're looking for, just be prepared that it's not going to be the same caliber steam wand that you're going to find at at a, like a cafe commercial level. Uh, machine and if you're looking for something that's at like the cafe level that's where you're talking like i mean probably like twelve hundred dollars is the lowest you're gonna go on that to be able to get that that like actual cafe quality single group head espresso machine with great steam wand you know with a proper boiler and everything uh yeah so but that is something that some people that go really hard have that and it is amazing and then at the end the funny thing is at that point if you've got that espresso machine what ends up happening is you buy the expensive espresso machine then you're like now i need to go back and upgrade my grinder and <laughs> so it's, it's like an ongoing process and I, I definitely always have in the back of my mind of like the the i don't know if you call it a bucket list or dream list of things that like man if i had the perfect home setup this is what it would be but it's that's for later in life hopefully so at this point, if you have these parts, you're pretty well set up at home. And at this point, uh, especially if you have an espresso machine, then you have the full lineup. Then everything after this is just how you're brewing will be the biggest factors in the quality of coffee you're doing. And so now I'm moving from the equipment and the things that like you have to invest in to be able to brew a great cup of coffee, and then the tips and tricks to, to brew a great cup of coffee. And I've, I have an entire episode on what goes into a great cup of coffee, and it probably reflects pretty closely to what I'm talking here. Uh, and so this is going to be much more top line, 
go back to the episode of everything that goes into a great cup of coffee if you really want the full breakdown of like every component of a great cup. But these are just simple tips and tricks to brew a great cup. First, that you have high quality coffee. Uh, common questions like, well, how do I figure that out? And it is difficult because there's no, it's not like beer where you're like, this is a craft beer. This is going to be high quality. But what you're, what I do is I generally, if I find a coffee, I will go to their website. You can tell a lot about a roaster, how they approach things and the flavors and quality of coffee that I'm going to get based on the website. You're looking for a lot of transparency in terms of, uh, where they're getting their beans, uh, how they're roasting, any sort of like methodology or their approach to roasting coffee. I avoid anyone that says they like bold, rich, uh, what are other basically smoky, um, like anything French, Italian roast. These are all going to be really, really dark roasted. You're really not tasting the coffee. You're tasting the actual roast on the beam. So even if it is a high-quality coffee, a super dark roast, you're not going to be able to tell. So obviously, I gravitate towards lighter roasted coffee if you know anything about me or Folly or any anything that I've talked about in the past. Uh, but looking for a high-quality coffee, I prefer the third-wave style. So that might be something that a roaster identifies themselves as a third-wave style roaster. But making sure that you're getting a high-quality coffee. Honestly, like when you're looking at high quality coffees, the cheapest you're going to find a 12 ounce bag is going to be like that 12, $13 range. And so if you're somewhere in that like 12 to 20 plus dollar range, you're probably getting a really solid coffee. Uh, and then the next step is making sure it's fresh. This is something that high quality roasters very, very rarely will not have the roast date on the coffee. This is different than like an expiration date or a best buy date or a drink buy date. If a coffee only has that expiration date or drink buy date or best buy date, don't get it. If that's the only thing they're offering you in terms of freshness, you don't know how long they're taking to determine that it's expired. Because coffee is a very, very food safe product. And so it could go for a year and still be safe in the bag. But... At, at a certain time, that just you've lost all the freshness and delicate flavors of that coffee. And so if they're only putting expiration dates or if they're hiding when it was roasted, don't get it because it's probably like they're not keep pulling it from shelves or they're pulling from inventory that's still six, seven, eight, nine months old. I've seen coffee from some large companies that's on the shelf for a year. And at that point, you're just tasting straight cardboard. And so making sure it's fresh. Now, in a perfect world, you're drinking coffee anywhere from, I put the range at like three days after roast to two to three weeks after roast. You don't, the, one of the big misconceptions in coffee is that you want to drink coffee right after it's roasted. And that's simply not true because there's a period of off-gassing that happens. There's still flavors that are changing within the coffee. There's gases being emitted from the coffee that's super fresh roasted, and it takes usually about three days for all of these things to settle and for all the flavors to really become clear in that cup of coffee. So if you're buying it straight from the source or you're buying or you're home roasting or you're if you're getting coffee that's fresh off the roaster, give it a few days before drinking it. Now, it's a fun experiment to do is to drink it one day after roast, two day, three day, and see how those flavors change. 
but I never fully evaluate a coffee unless it's at least a few days off roast. Like this Burundi we have right now is a super, super dense bean. You look at the the, the size of the bean, it's tiny. So the 12-ounce the bag feels like it's only half full because it's such a dense bean. This one takes a good four or five days before I think it really starts to shine. And so fresh coffee is important. Uh, making sure you're drinking it within like ideally in a perfect world, you're drinking it within three weeks of the roast. Uh, we pull all of our coffee at 90 days. We blind taste tested our coffees. We found that at 90 days, that's when the delicate notes start to fade. Uh, and so we pull our coffee at 90 days because we don't want people drinking old, lifeless coffee. So uh, high quality coffee, fresh coffee. Then this is where you get into the home coffee nerd side is experimentation. The three biggest things to experiment with to bring out different flavor compounds in your coffee are the grind size, the water temperature, and the timing. And at this point, I would recommend if you really want to go hard <laughs> in the coffee paint, I overuse that phrase, I think, uh, I would either get an evaluation of your tap water, like you can reach out to the state or the city and say, can I get a breakdown of the water in this area so you know what's in your water or what I do that once you do this it's really hard to go back is uh, coffee minerals uh, the most co- the most popular coffee mineral company is called third wave water and you get like a 15 pack of these little sleeves and you get a gallon of distilled water and you pour one of these sleeves into a gallon of distilled water and it makes just like the perfect profile for coffee brewing water and this is just another level of consistency because I started doing this I recently moved last summer and I moved from a place that had great coffee brewing water and I never thought about it because it was consistent and it would make great coffee then I moved here it's very very hard water and all the coffee started tasting terrible and I just I for whatever reason wasn't considering that as a factor and I thought that I was doing something wrong or our coffee's just not tasting good right now what's going on and then I get these third wave water and the 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 flavor the brightness the uh the balance the just overall impression of the coffee is much much better with this and so before experimenting I would recommend even if you're not going out and buying coffee minerals and adding them and going to that full level that you know what is going on with your water. Because there's nothing more frustrating than having all the right equipment. You've been experimenting like crazy and it's just not quite as good as the cafe. What most cafes have is kind of what I just said, is a filter that removes everything from the water. And then the really great cafes have uh, like the, it remineralizes water for coffee. And so no matter where you are, as a cafe, you're getting the same consistency and quality. So that's why sometimes even if you've, if you've got the same coffee, you're doing the same things, you're, you've got all this stuff you're doing like the, the, the local specialty cafe, but it still doesn't taste the same, it could very possibly be water. So before you get into all this experimentation, making sure you know what your water situation is, uh, if you really want to geek out third wave water, just look it up on Amazon. And then go to your grocery store, get distilled gallons of water, and throw one of those packets in there. And I just think you'll notice an instant lift in quality. But once you have water figured out, 
you the first thing I started experimenting with was grind size uh, because this has the most immediate impact on flavor to coarse or I should say coarser, and you can bring out some brighter, more uh, high acid profiles, but too coarse, and you can risk sour flavors. Uh, a finer grind size, you get higher extraction that can pull more sweetness, more body, but too fine a grind, you can get over extraction, which can create bitter flavors. And so it's finding the perfect balance uh, in between all of these variables to get the right flavor profile. And then this also depends on what coffee you're brewing. So something like our Classic Joe, which right now is a Brazilian coffee from the Alta Vista region, has a really nice milk chocolate nutty profile. And so I want to be on the sweeter side. I want to have a much higher extraction to bring out these flavor compounds. And so that coffee is going to have a much different brewing method than our house bean right now, which is a honey processed coffee from El Salvador. For that one, I'm looking to bring out a lot of like this almost like green apple kind of like fruit like acidity uh and if i really want to bring that out you have to get the uh the at the grind size uh larger to bring out those compounds and so this one comes down to the coffee too the grind size is the most fun to play with and has the most dramatic uh the most dramatic effect on flavor Water temperature is another one this is why it's important to have the variable temperature kettle not just the kettle that goes to one temperature boiling or nothing because water temperature plays hand in hand with grind size higher water temperature you're going to get higher extraction uh lower water temperature you're going to get lower extraction if you go too low on the temperature you can under extract and create sour flavors if you go too high on the temperature you can over extract and create bitter compounds and bitter flavors and so you can already see how the different variables go hand in hand to create the overall flavor profile you're looking for. And uh, then the last part would just be like timing. Uh, for a French press, the most obvious timing is like how long you're letting the coffee steep. There are small variables in French press like stirring or this and that. Uh, the automatic coffee brewers, the timing's pretty well set. But there are ones like the Baymore that have some ability to be able to manipulate the variables on when uh, the water is being poured, uh, how long it's being poured, the amount that's being poured. Uh, the pour over, you definitely have the most control over it. Uh, so when you're pouring your own water, the timing of when am I pouring each round of water, how much water am I pouring, uh, and then also timing how long the brew cycle takes. If so, for pour over coffee, you're going for a single cup anywhere from like two and a half to three minutes. If you're like, this is taking four or five minutes for it to go through the grounds, that would be a grind size problem. So, uh, all these this is why it can be fun, but also very frustrating is all of these different variables are all intertwined. So it's not like you're going to do one thing and it's gonna the it's gonna be perfect. When you manipulate one thing. The other factors now are a part of the deal. And so when doing this, the two biggest things I recommend are that one, you only manipulate one variable at a time. So if you get a new grinder or you just got a new coffee or uh, anything new about your system or you're just experimenting, what I like to do personally is each week manipulate a different variable. So this entire week, I'm this new Burundi coffee we have in our winer, I'm only manipulating grind size. So on my Barazza Virtuoso, I'm literally 
moving it up one notch coarser, up one notch coarser, up one notch coarser, each time I brew a cup of coffee to see how the flavor changes as I go coarser and coarser. As I'm doing that, I'm taking notes on how long the coffee takes to brew, the flavor compounds that are found in the finished cup of coffee, uh, and then just the overall, do I think it got better or got worse? If it got better, I keep going in that direction. If it got worse, you got to turn back. And then once you find the grind size, you can start manipulating water temperature. So I like this grind size, water temperature, move it up. Does it get better? Move it down. Does it get better? And this is where you lose a lot of people. And this is definitely not something that I use as uh, witty banter at parties. This is where people go, you really don't have a life, do you? And I go, no, sir or madam, I do not. uh, And then the last thing, and I think this will be the end of the episode, is maintaining your equipment. Uh, The things that require the most maintenance really in the whole process would be your grinder. So if you've got stainless steel burr grinders, making sure you take those out, recommend it on a weekly basis. It's really easy. You just remove a couple components. uh, You brush them off. Make sure there's no uh, like coffee beans sitting in the little crevices of any grinder that you're brushing off any caked on uh, coffee grounds. Really fine coffee grounds can really lodge themselves into uh, crevices. So making sure you're getting a a wire brush and then a fine brush, like a paintbrush almost, uh, to get all of these grounds off. And that'll just maintain the quality of the equipment over time and also making sure that there aren't like things jammed in your grinder causing inconsistent grinding. Uh, over time, I recommend replacing a burr grinder. If it's stainless steel, like I, I replace mine every couple years, uh, but just making sure that you're, you're maintaining the equipment, uh, especially the grinder. Uh, on the French press, uh, not so much pour over. Uh, so like a pour over brewer uh, doesn't require a lot of maintenance because after you're done, you just literally rinse the thing off and you're done. But something like a French press or an automatic coffee maker, over time, uh, coffee oils and compounds can just kind of find their way into the machine or get kind of soaked into your French press, even if it's glass sometimes, I I think. Uh, just making sure that you're getting a coffee cleaner and just cleaning that thing out maybe on a, like a monthly basis. This isn't as big of a problem with light roasted coffee because you don't get oily beans if you're drinking light roasted coffee and it's much less likely to like stain things. But I've had coffee, like I've had folly coffee on somebody else's Mr. Coffee and it comes out with those like dark roasted flavors. And then I asked them, what kind of coffee do you typically drink on this thing? And they bring out like the, oh, this Italian roast. I like, it. I like my beans black and oily. And you go, okay, so that's why. So if you're getting flavors from like a coffee brewer or if you've had a French press for years and you're like, there's always this one flavor that's in every cup of coffee I have, just go get some coffee cleaner and that should take care of the issue. So... That will be the end of this episode of everything to have a super effective home brewing setup and experience 
As always, reach out with any questions. Love to answer questions. Reach out through Instagram is definitely the easiest way. I try to respond to DMs as fast as possible or my emails, just rob at follycoffee.com. Happy to answer any questions or if you have any uh, counter arguments. I love counter arguments. Discussion is the key to improvement. I'm never dead set on any idea I have for sure. So as I always say, uh, have a great day.